Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. The book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 33. The Bible says, With great power, the apostles give witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Not just only a few people, but all the believers in the early church had mega grace, big grace upon their life. And I believe that this scripture talks about the end-time church like all of us. We are the, in the end-time church. We need great grace from God. Do you know that the first church in the world did not start by a committee? It was started by the outpouring of the Spirit of God, the presence of God came down in the upper room. They all were filled with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit and the fire. And the grace of God was upon them because the grace of God means the presence of God. You can go back to listen to previous sermon that I have been preaching for the past two months that the grace of God is the presence of God. And when the grace of God came upon them, they were able to preach the gospel with bonus signs and wonders and miracles happened. And at one time, the miracles happened. The apostles were arrested because a lame man at the gate called Beautiful was healed and got up and walked. And the apostles were beaten, were threatened not to preach the gospel any longer. They went back to their own company. And they prayed that God would give them even more bonus to preach the gospel in the name of Jesus. And asked God to stretch out His mighty hand to perform signs and wonders. And God confirmed the answer by shaking the building at that time. Our God is the same. He has not changed. He's still the God of miracles and power and big grace. There is different degrees of grace. We have little grace and more grace and fullness of grace. The Bible talks about grace upon grace, favor upon favor. The Bible talks about blessing upon blessing. We can receive more and more grace. In this series of teaching, we will learn how to obtain more grace from God how to obtain the favor from God. We have already laid out foundation in the past few sermons. And now we get into how we're going to obtain more grace from the Lord. How many people want to have more grace? I want more grace. Amen. More favor. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 12. I review for a couple of minutes here. Proverbs 19, verse 12. The king's wrath is like the rolling of a lion, but his favor is like the dew on the grass. The Lord Jesus is the king of all kings and he can give us favor. The Bible compared the favor of the king of all kings as the dew. And the dew can be so, so little, so light that you barely discern it. Or the dew can be so thick and it was dripping like a rain from the leaf because the dew was so thick. So you can have more grace Thick dew, thick grace. 
increase grace in your life. The more we have the grace of God, the more things we can do for Him. If you have more grace, you can have more help. You can have more support, more miracles, more healing in your life. The more grace, the more our life will be changed because of the grace of God, and the favor of God will change our life forevermore. When you receive more grace and you can do more for God, don't boast about how great you are, because everything was done by the grace through faith. Amen. We need to boast about the Lord, not about ourselves. Hebrews chapter four, verse sixteen. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The grace of God is a divine help. How many people are interested in more help from heaven? I am interested in more help from heaven for sure. I need more help from God. What happened if we have thirty percent more grace this year than last year? What happened if we have double of the amount of grace this year than last year? What happened if we have ten times more grace this year than last year? I believe you will see the manifestation of the increased grace in your life. I believe that you can discern, you can feel that something happened in you. That you can tell, wow, this year is better than last year because I have more grace. Amen? Amen. The works that you used to struggle with, that you have a hard time finish, will be so easy and light for you. The things in the past that you could not do, you will be able to do it with more grace in your life. The bad habits or the Things that you struggle, you fall into, you were overcome or defeated by those problems. You can just whip it off, and you just overcome it easily, and you will never fall into it again. You get it behind you forever. Some of you may have a habit of smoking, but if it, with enough grace, suddenly you have no desire to smoke any longer, and you never go back to smoke anymore. Some of us. Who may be addicted to pornography, suddenly with the grace of God, that desire was gone. You did not want to even touch that website any longer. You can resist any temptation when you have enough grace. You can overcome any addiction, any bad habit, if you have enough grace. With enough grace, we can be the man or the woman whom God wants us to be. With enough grace, we can be a godly husband. A godly wife, a super mom, a super dad, a super employee, and super employer. God's grace is the presence of God that come upon us. His presence will go before us, and will cause us to know ahead of time what to say and what to do. Whenever we do something, the grace of God will drop the idea. And we know exactly what we need to say to our boss. The grace of God will cause other people that we're gonna meet to have the different light and different thinking about us, and they start to say, mm, "I want to give favor to this person," because the grace of God goes before us to prepare, to incline the heart of those who we are dealing with. Amen. We need to please the Lord in order to receive more grace. So many people. Think that if we please God, we're gonna get more trouble with the devil, 
Actually, the Bible does not say so. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. When a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When you please the Lord, your enemies, those who want to hurt you, suddenly stop hurting you. They will be busy with other stuff. They may even like you and become your friend. They even support you. They are at peace with you because the grace of God, the favor of God is upon you to protect you and to give you help and support. Pleasing God more, increase the grace of God in our life. Everyone say, pleasing the Lord. If we please the Lord, we will get more grace. So every day of your life, how you spend money, how you spend your time, how you treat your wife, how you treat your children, how do you go to work? Every day you ask the Lord, is this action please you? Is this my attitude pleasing you or I am displeasing you right now? You ask the Lord every day, every moment, when I do this, am I pleasing you? If you live a life that pleases God all the time, you have more grace. James chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. But he give more grace. Therefore he say, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Who is going to get more grace? Not the proud for sure. Not the proud. God resists the proud. Being resisted by God is opposite to receiving the grace of God. If you have more grace because you are more humble, everywhere you go, you're going to receive favor from people. You will be helped, protected, and kept, and supported by people around you. The proud will not receive favor from God. They will be resisted. How humble you are will dictate how much grace you will have. If you are more humble, the more grace you will have. Do you know that who is the most humble people in the time of Moses? Moses was the most humble people. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now the man, Moses, was very humble. More than all men who were on the face of the earth. Wow. Moses was the most humble person in his generation. Do you know how Moses could do all those things for the children of Israel? How could he split the Red Sea? How could he just knock on the rock and the water came out? How could he do so many great things in the wilderness? It was not by his own ability. He was able to do all those miracle things. He was able to take the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was able to perform miracles because he received the grace from the Lord. You need to check your heart. Are you humble? Amen? So many people misunderstand the word humility. They think that humility means to run yourself down. It means that I say I am nothing. I don't have any ability. Self-degradation. I am nothing. I deserve the praise, but I don't take it anyway. Some people even are proud of how humble they are. <laughs> to become humble is not just saying, I am so proud, I'm so humble. Amen? 
To be humble means more than just think that you are humble. It doesn't mean that you reject or deny your ability that God gives you, but it means you give glory to God and you depend on God all the time. Everything you give glory to the Lord is for the Lord, not for yourself. There is a connection between the degree of humility and how a person is used by God. God used Moses so much because he has a very high degree of humility. The degree of how you are used by God is definitely connected to how much grace you have. The more humble you are, the more grace you have, and then the more powerful God can use you. It's all connected: humility, level of grace, and the level of how much God will use you. The presence of the Lord. Was with Moses because he was the humble man. Who is a man on earth who was used by the Father the most in the world history? Jesus. Jesus is the most humble man of all human history. He humbled himself to the point that he came down from heaven, being a God, come down into a man. He humbled himself to wash the feet of the disciple. He humbled himself to be killed or to be crucified on the cross, because he was so humble to the bottom. He was raised and exalted by God. He was exalted by God to have the authority of all over the earth, under the earth, and in heaven. He was exalted by God to be lifted up from the earth into heaven. And now he is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus has fullness of grace because he was the most humble person in the world human history. If you want to have more grace, you need to be very humble, like the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty-nine, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn what? Learn how gentle." And humble he is, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. He is very humble, and you will find rest for your soul. To be humble doesn't mean to be weak. Actually, to be humble is strength. Only strong people can be humble. Weak people are proud. The humility indicates the depth of the strength of a man of a, of a woman. You don't need to tell everybody about yourself, how good you are, in order to show that you are humble. You don't need to tell everybody what you have done, but you can tell people what God has done. Amen. You boast about the Lord. You secure enough in God that you don't need people to praise you and put a thumb up for you, because you know everything comes from the Lord anyway. You know Him; He knows you. And your security is in the Lord, not on other people' opinion. Let me read one passage of the Scripture to learn about humility here. Matthew chapter twenty, verses one to sixteen. Listen carefully. Matthew twenty one to sixteen. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed. With the laborers for a 
denarius for one dollar a day. He sent them into his vineyard, and he went out about the third hour. These people worked for twelve hours a day, from early morning to the sunset. At about the third hour, saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said to them, "You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give to you." Everyone say, "Whatever is right." So they went. Did the first group of laborers make a contract? Yes, they make a contract to work one whole day, twelve hours, with one dollar. The second group did not make any contract. They go out. They went out to work without legal binding contract. They just went out by faith, believing that the master, the owner, gonna do the right thing for them. So they went again. He went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. Now the third, the fourth, the fifth group now, and about the eleventh hour, one hour left. Before the job is done, okay, twelve hours a day. This is by the eleventh hour. He went out and found others standing idle, and said to them, "Why have you been standing here idle all day?" They said to him, "Because no one hired us." He said to them, "You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, everyone say whatever is right, you will receive." Did they make contract? Which group had a contract? Only one group. The rest of the people did not have any contract. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, "Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. The last is the one was the ones who worked only one hour. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received." A denarius, a one dollar. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. They suppose, they presume, they are entitled to receive more. They likewise receive each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, "These last men have worked only one hour." And you make them equal to us, who everyone say equal. Okay, equal to us who have borne the burden of the and the heat of the day, the twelve hours long day. But he answered one of them and said, "Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours." And go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things, or is your eyes evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few. Are chosen. The landowner make an agreement with his first group of employees that they will get one dollar of twelve hours work. Then he met many groups of people, many groups of men, 
Some work for 10 hours, 8 hours, and 1 hour. When they all came back, all these workers received equally one dollar, or equal to the first group. The first group thought that they should receive one hundred dollars because they work longer hours. They work twelve hours a day. The rest of work a few hours a day. They receive the full wage that they make a contract. So the first group of people think that fair means equal. Fairs mean equal. Actually, fair doesn't mean equal. Our mind needs to be renewed in this area. The first group did not go out to work for the landowner by faith and did, did not depend on the goodness of the landowner. They depend on the merit of their work. But the rest of the group depend on the graciousness, depend on the kindness, and they went out by faith to depend on the landowner to make the right choice for them. Because he keeps saying, I will do what is right for you. Okay, they don't have any legal binding agreement with the landowner or the rest of the group except the first group. In fact, another translation say like this, friend, I am not treating you unfairly. Did you agree with me on the day wages? Take your money and go. I am going to give the last worker as much as I give you. Can I do what I want with my own money? Do you resent my generosity toward others? And then the conclusion is, so the last will be first and the first last. What does it mean? The first will be last and the last will be first. The first means those who think that they come in the church before other people. They deserve all the honor from the pastor. I'm a great man. I know the Bible a lot. I'm just so capable in this church. I know all the way in this church. I know about the kingdom. I went to Bible school. I know the Bible very well. They came first. They're so gung-ho. They know a lot. But people who came later on, they're humble. They think that I am nothing. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to depend on the generosity and the goodness of God now. I'm going to receive from God by His grace through faith. They keep being last all the time. You know, this happened in the ministry as a preacher. I came in last. I did not go to Bible school. And I keep thinking to myself, I don't know a lot. I need to learn more. I need to grow more. I need more fire. I need more anointing. So I keep going higher and higher because I think that I'm the last all the time. I'm not a great pastor. I'm not such a powerful preacher. I just need God. I, actually, I told Pastor Da this morning on the way to the church. I told her that every Sunday morning when I, we, on the way to church, I feel so scared to come up to preach. I feel so... Uh, Lack of self-confidence in preaching on Sunday. Because I know I cannot do it by myself. I need the grace of God to be up here to preach the deep sermon in English language to make sure people understand what I'm talking about. Because English is not my first 
language, my mother tongue language. I have to try to make sure you understand my accent very well. Amen. You, do you understand my accent? Okay, thank God. I need the grace of God. I went to Illinois. The Laotian members called their pastor. Hello, pastor. You need to come to meet this man. You will be changed. He will bring the file of God to the church. The pastor answered, "I don't care. I have been pastor longer than him. I have been in the ministry longer than this man. He's just a doctor." He's not a full-time pastor. He doesn't know the Bible as I do. Hang up the phone. I don't care. That's why the Bible say the first will be last. The first doesn't mean the who those who come first, but those who are prideful, those who think that they deserve the honor from God. So, what is humility? Humility does not feel entitled. Humility does not presume. Humility qualifies a person for more grace from God. Pride presume that somebody have to do something for me. Pride say that I am entitled for some gift or some special treatments. You cannot be gracious to someone who feel that they deserve something from you. If somebody feel that. They deserve something from you, and even though you give that special treatment to them, they are not going to be thankful anyway. They just say, "I deserve it." Bye bye. They are not thankful because they think they deserve some special treatment from you. This kind of attitude, prideful attitude, take people off from the realm of grace. But when you relate to the Lord. The Lord say, "You receive by grace through faith." So everything you receive from God is by His grace. You don't deserve any good thing from Him. You cannot boast. You cannot tell God, "I deserve this. I earn it. I make a merit of my works, and you need to give me." Any time you say, "God, I deserve something from you," you undo. Or you stop yourself from receiving the grace of God. That's why the New Testament say it is not by your works, but it is by grace through faith. If you think that what He gave to you, He owes you anyway, He owes you something that He should give to you because you deserve it, you are thinking that you are entitled to receive those things, and you are not humble. You are prideful because you think you are entitled. You presume you should receive those things. The Lord owes you something. You deserve it. So you need to think this way: I don't deserve. Everyone say, "I don't deserve." I depend on the grace of God. I depend on the goodness of the landowner. He is my landowner. I depend on his goodness. If you think you deserve. If you think that you are entitled to receive something, you will pull, you will put pressure, you will demand people, and you will presume, you will milk it, manipulate it to get something because you think you deserve it. And after that, you are not thankful because you think you deserve it. Why don't we change our way of life from now on? Let's think this way. No one owes anything to us. 
From now on, I'm not entitled to receive anything from people. I want to tell you the truth from my heart. I don't deserve to have you in this church at all. I don't deserve you. You come to this church by the grace of God. I'm not entitled to have you to be my members. Every time I come up on Sunday and look at you, this is the grace of God. You come because of God's grace, not because I deserve you to be in this house. Amen? The man who worked for an hour received the wages of 12 hours work, like a one-day pay. Do you think that this group of men are happy to receive that wages? Yeah, they're very happy. Because they went by faith. Everyone say, by faith. You receive grace by faith. He did not know whether he's going to receive a dime, a penny, five cents, one dollar, or a hundred dollars. They went out by faith without knowing what they're going to get, but they know that the landowner is a good boss. The landowner will be fair to them. Because the landowner say, I will pay what is right in my own eyes. Let me ask this question to you. You think everything God does is right? You think our boss in heaven is the right boss? Everything he does is right? That is the grace of God. Amen? When God asks you to do something for him, don't scream at him. I am not sure this is right, Lord. I deserve to receive something from you. Show me right now the contract. What position I'm going to get in the church? How much money are you going to give to me? Show me the contract right now. If you do that to the Lord, you are like the first group of the laborers. You are not depending on the grace of God. You are entitled to receive something from Him. Let us come to God with a humble heart, with faith. Because when you come to God by faith, you're going to begin to experience the great grace of God. And you shall rejoice because you see God is so good to you. Amen? You will receive what you don't even deserve it anyway. Praise God. That is interesting. Do you know that the book of Esther is the book of the grace of God? It's about the favor from God. Esther came from obscurity, came from nothing. But because God gave her favor, she moved from obscurity to the throne room. Because of the favor of God was upon her, she moved from obscurity to national influence. How many people want to do that? God moved you from obscurity, from nothing to national influence. I want to see one of her characters in the Bible. Let's look at Esther chapter 2, verse 15. This is Esther's character. How humble she is. Now, when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king. She was in the contest to be the wife of the king, to be the queen. She requested nothing. Everyone say, request nothing. 
But what Hegai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised, and the Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. Before Esther went into the throne room, she received favor from everyone around her, including her competitors. Her competitors, other ladies who want to be the queen, went in the preparing area, preparation area, and people may ask, "What do you want?" Oh, I want the best dress. I want a nice perfume. I want a nice jewelry to put on me. Dress me the best you can. Give me the best in the palace to show to the king that I'm so beautiful. But when they came to Esther, Esther was so humble. She did not feel entitled. She did not feel that these people owe something to her. She did not feel that she deserved anything anyway. So what did she do? She said, "I did not request anything from you, guy. I'm gonna depend on the goodness of God." People who think that they are entitled, people who are prideful. If you give them a menu of 50 kinds of food, they will look at the menu and say, "Do you have another kind that you don't have on here? Could you please make a special meal for me?" That is prideful people. Prideful people will walk into the church and say, "I need a special seat. I need a special car parking area. I need to meet the pastor." I need to shake hand with him, and he doesn't smile at me. I'm mad. I'm gonna leave the church. I am entitled to receive special treatment from the pastor. That is pride, and these people will not receive the grace of God. Did Esther ask for something special? She did not. If you ask something special all the time, you will undo your own favor. You may argue, but the Bible say, "Ask and it will be given to you." Is that right? Let's look at the Bible. Who do we ask? Philippians chapter four, verse six: Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to your pastor, to your boss, to. Your boyfriend no. to God. James chapter four verse two. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. Ask who? Ask God. We can ask God, but we should not demand or put pressure on anybody in this planet Earth. In order to get something special from people, we should only ask God. And in fact, this is the fact of life. There are so many personal things in your life that only God should know, and you should talk to God. And I should not tell you about my personal things. It's not your business to know my personal things. I can present that request to God, and you also have personal things that is not my business to know. You can tell God yourself. Amen. So we should respect our each other boundary. That we should not 
try to be nosy and find out about other people's business. Let them ask God themselves, and I ask God myself. And if God wants to give to me, God is going to work in somebody's heart to help me anyway. I don't need to put pressure on any man around me. If we keep asking for things from other people, we will prevent and undo our own favor. Think about yourself if somebody comes to your home, a person walks into your home. I need a glass of beer. I need a special steak tonight. Uh, where is the best seat in this room? Uh, can you give me some cold towel to put on my face? You will think, I don't want this guy to come to my house anymore. He keeps demanding for the special treatment, special consideration, and special mention. I want the special food, special seat all the time. Don't ask anybody to do anything special for you at all. Period. Because that is pride. You feel you are entitled. You feel that you deserve. You feel that they owe you something. Don't do that. How many people want great grace in your life? Does grace come because you deserve it? No. You don't deserve the grace. So if you want more grace, stop asking people. You can ask God, okay? You stop asking for people for favor, for stuff, for special treatments. Get your faith in God. Yes, God going to do something for you. God going to call somebody to do something for you. Let your request be made known to him, not to man. Let him know what you need. And he will surprise you who he will use to bless you. Suddenly somebody out of the blue, you don't even expect, come by and help you because it comes from the Lord, not from man. Not because you put pressure on somebody. Amen? Amen. Is favor fair? Is fair the same as equal? No. Favor from God is fair. Amen? In order to obtain more grace from God, we need to have a greater faith, a bigger dimension of humility, greater faithfulness, pleasing the Lord. Actually, I tell you the truth. I like the idea of working one hour and get paid equal to three months. How many people like that idea? You work for one hour, you walk out, somebody give you three months wages. Ooh, hallelujah! Is that the grace? <laughs> but you say, I don't deserve it anyway. This is by the goodness of my master, of my employer. You get more pay even you work less. Would you live another way if you could have lived in the amount of the grace of God, in more grace of God? I would live in the high amount of the grace of God. I'm working less, but I get paid more. That's what happened to me right now. We have eight physicians in my office. My office called Neurological Associate of Washington. Five neurologists, three neurosurgeons. I work less than anyone else in my company because I take off for mission trip every month, but I get the most pay in the office right now. My income is the highest in the company. Is that the grace of God? <laughs> Workless. I don't deserve it. I don't feel entitled. I don't feel that God owes anything to me. 
I'm thankful all day long. Thank God I can go to mission trip, but still get good income all the time. For the past 24 years, I get the highest income in my office. Even though I serve God every Sunday, I still go to mission trip. Luke chapter 17 verses 8 to 10. But will he not rather say to him, "Prepare"? Listen carefully. This is a very profound statement from Jesus. Prepare something for my supper. So the boss talked to the servant. Prepare something for my supper. Gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterward, you will eat and drink. Thus he thanked that servant because he did the things that ever commanded him. I think not. The master would not thank the servant. So likewise, now the lesson we learn. So likewise, you, you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servant. We are undeserving servant. I don't deserve any gift from God. I don't deserve any special treatment from people in the church. I don't deserve anything. We have done what was our duty to do. If you want to receive more grace from God, you should not think, oh, I go to care group every week. I've joined the worship team and worked so hard for God. I deserve special treatment from my pastor. I did this for you, God. You need to do this for me. I am entitled to be treated well by the church. You owe me something. If you think that way, you'd undo the grace of God in your life. You need to think this way. I joined the worship team. I play drum. Because God commanded me to do. And I have done what I should be doing anyway. I obey the command of the Lord without string attached, without demanding anything. I don't expect any special treatment from anybody. I don't expect special consideration, special mention, special honor. This is how Pastor Da and I live all this year in this church and on the mission trip. Every time we went on a mission trip, we set to our heart. We don't need anything from anybody. No special room hotel. No special treatment. No special food. No money. We're going to go to bless and give because God commands us to spread the fire and to help build local churches around the world. Whatever church they want to build, we went to Switzerland. We didn't even ask for one penny. We just went to help. No special treatment for us at all. We just went because God commands us to do, we do what we are supposed to do. But the less we demand, the less we want something from people, the more they show grace to us and want to give us more grace, help us more than before. You see, can we learn something from this lesson? So from now on, when people ask you to do something for them, you do something for them and don't, expect anything back. If you don't expect something back, you will do something more for you. This is not a trick. Don't misunderstand. This is not a trick. This is the way of life. You expect nothing from anybody. Okay? You don't expect people to do anything for you and you are thankful to the Lord. You will stay happy. You know why some people feel offended? 
Why some people are not happy all the time? I'm not happy. I'm offended. The reason that people feel offended all the time because they expect somebody to do something for them, but they did not do it. So they feel offended. They feel unhappy. If you know that I depend on the grace of God, I can stay happy all the time. I stay in faith all the time. God, you're gonna do something for me. I don't worry. These people may not appreciate me. That's okay. They don't smile at me. That's okay. I depend on your grace, not on what people can do for me. Look at Matthew 20, 20 to 21. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. Asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. This woman sneaked in to meet Jesus with her two sons. And she said, Jesus, Master, you agree that my sons are pretty good, boy? Very good. You agree? Okay. Why don't you give special position? One on the right hand and one on the left hand of your throne when you rule the world. Look at what Jesus said. Verse 23. And he said to them, the mother and the two sons, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on the, my left is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. So Jesus said, My Father is going to give the grace. You cannot demand from the Father. But by the way, Jesus tried to say, You want the position. Are you ready to be crucified? Are you ready to be whipped? To be rejected? And to suffer? Take the cup of suffering like me. Many people feel they are entitled to receive something, but they don't want to go through the hardships, the price to pay like somebody else. They just want a quick fix, quick blessing from God. My dear brothers and sisters, we should not demand from anybody at all because you will undo your grace. Look at Matthew 20, 25 to 28. Now, the Lord Jesus called for the house staff meeting after he deal with these three, the mother and the two sons who want the special treatment. Now he have a special house staff meeting. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus has the most humble attitude in the whole wide world. Later on, if you read John chapter 13, you find out that he put the basin of water and washed the feet of his disciple. He became the servant of all. 
if you want to receive more grace from God, you need to be humble. Don't feel entitled. Don't presume. Don't think that people owe something to you. You serve. You do what you are supposed to do, without requesting, without demanding, without pulling, without pushing, without manipulating anything to return. You just do it as if you do it to the Lord. Whatever good to do, you do it as you're supposed to do. You come to church. You're supposed to serve, carry the chair, put up the table. You do it without demanding anything, and then you get done. The Lord did not even have to thank you, because that's what you are supposed to do. Amen. And if you are humble like that, the Lord will give even more grace. You work for one hour; He's gonna pay you for one year wages. Some lady in this room, you are humble. The Lord gonna give your husband more money, more income. To your husband, you're single. Suddenly, God may bring in a godly man that can bring you income more than before, because you are not demanding, putting pressure. You're humble. You do what you are supposed to do. Let us say at the same time. Lord, help me to grow in humility. Nobody owes me anything. I am doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm glad to be in this church. I'm a part of this church. I'm blessed to be alive. I'm blessed that I can talk. I'm blessed that I have abilities. I'm blessed that I have opportunities. I don't need any special mention. I don't need special consideration. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, I walk by faith. I trust in your goodness. I trust in your generosity. You are my boss. You will do what is right for me. I will receive one-hour wages as if I work for ten years. <laughs> Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Everyone, say, I am. Highly favored, I receive more grace, great grace. Help me, Lord, to be humble, like Jesus, like Moses. Use me more, give me more favor, and more grace. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for this teaching, Lord. We believe, Lord, that you will remind us by your Holy Spirit to stay in the realm of humility, in the realm of grace and favor from heaven all the time. 
Help us, Lord, any time we begin to demand, to put pressure, to ask for special requests from people, special treatments. Help us to stop, and we look up to heaven and depend on you more, Father. We thank you, Lord, for teaching us, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's fellowship in the lunchtime. Let's joy together and and fellowship and get to know new friends in the church. Amen. May the Lord bless all of you. Turn to the person next to you. More grace, more favor on you. More grace, more favor on you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. I'm so thirsty. Thank you.